0: Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Twenty nine, justifying the service and process improvement. Pink elephants podcast for the IT service management, IT management community. Hey, it's Chris Dancy. I'm here with
1: Troy Dumoulin. Hey, Chris, how you doing?
0: Doing good, doing good. I, we were just cross continental, uh, and now we're back together. We're on the stateside, and
1: everything's good. Yes, in fact, uh, you got up in this heat wave. Like we're getting like like extraordinary temperatures here up in Canada. Talking, I mean. 40 Celsius. So that got to be like 90 something years Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've had record breaking temperatures all over the country.
0: As you know, Colorado is ablaze as, as we speak. Oh, I can yeah. I was on the phone with someone earlier and they said, you know, is it affecting you? And I'm like, well, you can actually see the fire from like different parts. And they're like, how is that possible? I'm like, well, mountains are vast. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm in a, fl- yeah, you know, I can actually see it. I was going to
1: ask you because I've had, you know, several pinkers or, Connected in Denver as well, as you know. Oh, yeah, we've
0: got it's a bit there's a big pink family here in Denver, in Colorado. Well, well, best of fortune with that. I know it's starting to get under control, so that's good. Yeah, so uh, it'll all sort itself out. Uh, episode 28 uh, seems to be wildly popular with people. People enjoy the idea of a service owner. I know I've been using it in my daily work, but today we're actually going to take on something a little bit. Uh, along those same lines, but uh, basically st- uh, justifying service and process improvement, we've got an executive checklist, a bunch of other things we want to talk about to get things moving along here. Justifying—that's that, that's a big word. I mean, we we almost need to look that up.
1: Why should I do this, Chris? Why why should yeah. I spend the money? Why would I? Why would I even bother changing anything? You know, that's that's the key question, and we get that often. Like, you know, why should we entertain? anything different than we're doing today Hmm. and you know you've got to have some good and decent answers for that because you're going to find eventually if you're in this business and you're espousing improvement of any kind you've got to show some justification for it right some return on investment some productivity lift some efficiency gain use whatever buzzword you want you got to show that tomorrow will be better than today somehow
0: oh yeah i mean i think that that whole Concept, uh, as far as I'm concerned, really started out with Annie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) The sun will come out tomorrow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, now you're singing. Last time I sung. All right. So, uh, uh, you know, this comes on, I think, at a couple different levels. Uh, We've learned over uh, our 29 episodes of Practitioner Radio, uh, getting buy-in at at all different levels, Uh, looking at a service organization, uh, service management office, um, I we, talk, we had an episode where we talked about you know, the idea of never use the word outsourcing and, and partnering and uh, but but justifying and, and getting buy-in is is a big deal because you really need to make I, I would think different types of justifications. So almost like views on a, on a service catalog, you would need views on justification.
1: and some people are fine with qualitative examples. Hmm. Some people hmm. are not they need quantified proof right? Show me then mm. the numbers, the analysis, the, the data. Mm. So you've got to be able to come up with both the fuzzy, warm, and, you know, you know, scenario-based qualitative examples, but also really got to get to the point you can get some quantified data going too. So that's depending on your personality. The, the, the overly
0: qualified, uh, uh, consultants over at Pake, And um, by the way, uh, good luck in, um, uh, you go out, we talk before your event in, uh, Arizona. Um, are you guys ever when you, when you come in to help an organization, are you guys ever asked help us justify this
1: Oh absolutely oh. <laughs> absolutely uh, in fact, is this kind of you know viewpoint you guys have been doing this for a long time, so you'll be able mm. to uh, tell me what's the ROI the return on investment of mm. implementing these good practices you know i whatever mm. framework you choose, and I have to ask them some hard questions in return because first of all, for the listeners, just ROI is a financial calculation. Right, And that is, what will I get based on the changes that I'm going to implement that'll be better off than I am today? So that's, that's the base premise. But that is a calculation that starts with the benefits divided by the current cost. All right. So what would be the extrapolated benefit divided by what my current reality is? But the reality, in our experience, is most organizations are not in a place or mature enough or haven't stood on the scale of reality to say, what is current cost? So you can come with all the benefit you know, statements. You can, you can say, well, we'll become more productive and we'll, we'll reduce this and improve that and we'll have less incidents and, and, lower and lower smaller downtime and all of these things. But, and those are all relatively true based on experience, qualitative experience. But if I'm going to then give you quantified, I have to first of all figure out what the cost of the current scenario is and then extrapolate those benefits into an improvement on current cost. But in Chris, in your experience, how many people have a handle on even their current cost of doing business? No
0: one. I think one of the things that I've seen happen at conferences over the past 18 months is, I I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Patrick uh, from Hornbill, but I can't remember who it was. Um, So I'm sorry if I'm giving credit away. Someone will email me and tell me I did it wrong. But he always says, can anyone in here tell me how much it costs you to support an email user? And no one raises their hand, right? you know so how much for the the hosting and the infrastructure and the actual support personnel and you know just just looking at you know something as simple as how much does it cost you to send an email you know which is kind of you know I- IT 101 so there seems to be a trend toward and i'm seeing this more and more on the blogs people wanting to talk about financial management i know that's not kind of where we are today but i think maybe that might be a good topic for the
1: future well that's basically because anything you do should be based on good financial decision making right mm. So you have to have some knowledge of your current state financially to make any relevant business decisions about it. Mm. So but they expect the the consultant walking in, the vendor with the software tool to basically have the magic wand and all the data from all the other organizations that are somehow better and have a better understanding and say here's the ROI. <laughs> there are ways to get there. We're going to talk about that, but that's not the only thing we can talk about relative to justification.
0: Mm.
1: So what are some what are I mean what are some quick wins low hanging
0: fruit when when talking about looking at things you should measure before because like you said you know we need to we need we need to understand what we're measuring before we can help you justify and and show you some return on investment are there are any things you kind of see kind of like in every organization as a
1: start but you know before we get into the unique snowflake scenarios yeah well this is actually coincides with a presentation I'm delivering in about a week and a half at Pink Asia which is uh, an event uh, in Malaysia in- and Singapore, I actually got to be—I got to be part of that event uh, two years ago. That's right. And it is top notch. Yeah, it's a good time. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to meet uh, any listeners out there. I'll stop by and say hi. But the yes. session I'm doing is going through this kind of executive checklist. These are the things you got to cover and make sure you you tie into to make you know relevant sense to anyone. Hmm. So the first thing though we have to kind of get to grips with is people don't typically change or want to change until their current world no longer fits them, right? <laughs> status quo is no longer viable. There's been some crisis, some catalyst, whether it's positive or negative, to basically say, what worked today won't work tomorrow. Mm. We got to do something. So a decision has to be made, first of all, that you know, status quo is no longer viable. The first thing you have to figure out and hang your hat on and figure out what it is, that urgency driver for you. Before you even begin presenting data, you have to look for the catalyst. Right, that could be an upcoming merger. That could be cutbacks. Cutbacks. It could be you've had several major business outages in the last week, and you 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 can no longer tolerate current state because you're about to have your job handed to you. Um, you know, there's some catalyst that's going to have to shake things up. That's pretty scary. That's almost
0: like waiting until you have to.
1: Well, think about how often do we actually get on a scale, right? <laughs> Sorry, I know, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read the last. It takes real courage to do some some navel gazing.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, if
1: you can even get past your navel, I mean, that's all right. So, you know, you have to be willing to step on the scale first. And there's going to be some driver, whether you've just had a mini stroke or your doctor basically said shape up or you're shipping out. Right. you got to find that. Yeah. Because urgency, this is John Cotter speaking here. Professor Cotter, he says, no one's going to move off the dime unless you can get an emotional urgency tied to your change. Hmm. So, where's the catalyst? F- figure it out. And if you don't have one, you may not be ready for this yet. That
0: almost the the catalyst. You know, starting at that point with this checklist, almost you know, makes me think. Do we lead with? You know, it sounds like we're leading with the the soft and fuzzy, the the emotional, the heart over the hardcore numbers because we need to get to the hardcore numbers.
1: Yeah, this is simply the thing that makes people believe something, change is necessary. Mm. Now you've got to actually prove change will be better. Mm. That's where we get into the justification. But you can't even get their attention in the time of day until there's a common belief change is required. Okay, right. So let's assume there's some catalyst like, we, like we've just described. Now we've got to do some some linking of this potential improvement, whether it's a service offering we're improving or a process, which you know we've talked in the past, processes are just services with a different name, professional services. We have to, first of all, figure out we don't do anything in IT for no reason. But there's some basis. We're a service organization within a bigger service ecosystem called the business. So what business objectives, strategic goals, whether that's on new market penetration, improving customer satisfaction, uh, improving cost uh, reduction, at new agility going into new technologies or market spaces, new platforms, what business goals can we do draw and grab onto and link whatever service or process improvement we're going to do. Now, that's a little bit challenging sometimes because to get from an operational improvement of a process up to a business goal, you need a couple of linking artifacts and or deliverables on a strategic and governance level. From a business perspective, I would hope to find IT goals, kind of mirroring or matching those. Mm. So, you know, using the balanced scorecard, financial goals, customer goals, internal maturity goals, innovation and agility goals, right? And then from there, we would say from these goals, this is the operating model conversation we've had before, we've got to have these capabilities in place. And some of these capabilities are project management, you know, plan, build. Some of them are, Uh, architecture. Some of them are management, like the change or incident conversation. But we should be able Mm. to, to link the operational goals to the operating capabilities to the IT strategic goals to the business goals. There's this kind of cascade. Now that might sound difficult for an organization that's kind of starting this net new, but I'll give you a tip. It's already documented for you. Go to COBIT, look up the management guidelines document from Um, version 4.1, it's still there. And it has it all mapped out in the appendix. Really? Business goals right down to the operational process level goals. All right, say that one more time. Where do we go? The ISACA website. And then look up for the document called the Management Guidelines. And from that document, you'll be an appendix, which is this whole business value linkage.
0: Wow. All right, well,
1: Ross, throw us a mini Thunderbolt.
0: Just real quiet. Real quiet Thunderbolt.
1: All right, um... That's cool. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I didn't know such a thing existed. So now I can I can talk strategically how my little thing down here, this little dial I'm going to turn down here on the left, is actually going to impact something up there on the top right. Yep. So I've now enabled the strategic goal linking. Okay, that's one. Step 1 checklist done. Now checklist part one done done. <laughs> then I have to think about another way to look at its productivity. How much time do we spend in meetings, Chris, that we think we could be somewhere else and be using our time much more efficiently? Uh, I think human nature
0: dictates 99.9% of the time I'm in a meeting,
1: I'm thinking about being someplace else and being productive. Most long, drawn-out meetings are huge wastes of productivity, and they usually have to be long, drawn-out, and huge attendance because we have very little formality in our practices. Mm. Right? We haven't got sources of truth, documentation to rely on, a configuration management system to check and validate information from. So we got to walk in our corporate knowledge into these meetings and have big, long, drawn-out conversations because of basically lack of mature practice. So let's take change management for the moment. Without that CMDB conversation where I can say, if I make the change to this application, here's the upstream and downstream impact, I got to literally walk my CMDB into the room. And that's probably a stakeholder from every domain. And now because I haven't got any release assurance before this production change meeting, uh, I'm asking questions like, you know, did I do enough testing? Did I enough training? Did I talk to the right people? I have this long, drawn-out CAB meeting, Change Advisory Board meeting, with a 20-odd people-plus in it. And some companies will actually have two of these a week because they have so much production change going on. Let's say if I made some improvements to knowing where things were, documenting my environment, uh, you know, improving the way that we handle changes in general, I could probably shrink that meeting down to half and only have half of the people necessary I do today. Mm. So if I take the salaries of the individual people that I got in this meeting, and they're going to be high paid, I times that by the, the meeting time duration and how many of these meetings I've got per week, uh, I've got a pretty big number. And I could I could say and sh- share with an organization that I can reduce this meeting by a third or 50%. Here's the productivity gain. Yeah. you got to talk in that kind of language, productivity. Right. Is that, so that's another idea.
0: No, I mean, that makes sense because there are a lot of things that you know, we can measure uh, if we look at the time that you spend doing it. Was it a conference call, like you said? Was it a meeting? How long did it take you to actually research? So a lot of times I'm asked to create something. Well, the time to actually create something for me as a knowledge worker, you know, between you and me, Troy, and you know, the people who listen to the show, um, is relatively small. You know what takes me time? Looking for the information to create that.
1: You have hit a key point here. Uh, I had someone quote, I don't know know where they got the statistic, but they said 80% of the time to fix something is in discovering what broke. Yeah. It takes me no time to do things. It takes me all the time to be
0: able to do things. And I can measure that, right? If my boss said to me, Chris, that was a great webinar, you know, how long did it take you to do it? Well, it took me an hour to deliver it. It took me about three hours to create it. But it took me about 24 business hours to research it. Yeah. And people only eat the, the one hour,
1: and before the internet, I mean, it would have taken a lot longer, right, so at least we 've got improvement of data sources there, yeah, yeah sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to jump jump on your jump on your quantify wagon, <laughs> yeah, you can quantify productivity gains, but you have to start yeah. expressing the quantified cost of current productivity mm. right if you 've got a lot of people doing manual labor and you 're not evaluating that into the price of the software you 're thinking about. Purchasing, which will automate. So I, I think a good example of of this would be
0: uh, if I look at how I worked just five or six years ago, before I had things like Boxnet, Google Docs, Dropbox. I would actually have to make sure that my laptop was authenticated and signed into you know remotely or however to a network, and then I would then have to go searching through file systems and folders for documents and things. Now, and then when I'd find those, you know, I'd have to get a local copy. And then if I left my place where I was working, I'd have to sync it to my laptop. I then, you know, so that's time I can actually measure. But now I look at something, you know, how much did it cost your organization to buy, uh, you know, a network collaboration files tool like Dropbox or BoxNet or something. You know, oh gosh, it was two thousand dollars. Yeah, but you know what? I don't have to spend an hour every week before I head out on the road syncing my documents.
1: That's a good example. Uh, let me give you another kind of IT management example. So the mm. you know investment in monitoring tools and the setting up of those monitoring tools mm. beyond just the domain group, each one looking at their green, yellow, red lights individually, right? Being able to aggregate this into a business impact conversation and knowing mm. what to do with it. Uh, you know, mean time to repair. A good portion of the time is when the event actually happens, and you discovered something broke. Right? Usually, it's the customer calling you and telling you because you haven't got good alerting and and monitoring mechanisms going on.
0: You do you you've got the world's best monitoring systems. That's called your customers.
1: Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> a I'd want to be the one to discover it before they do. Yeah, I know. Right. I know. I'm being a, but without being... without setting up your monitoring technology and and integrating that with your incident management service restoration processes and tools. Mm-hmm. Right. You are leaving that whole front end of that mean time to repair process wide open for basically subjectivity and whatever happens. Mm. And again, it could be 80% of the time, you know, you didn't it was broken until someone told you. Mm. So investment in monitoring tools and an event management process linked to an incident process is a huge way to talk about productivity because meanwhile, back at the farm, your customers are experiencing outages that you don't even know about. Mm. Right? And you got to measure their productivity loss in quantifiable ways.
0: So a create this linking architecture. B learn to quantify and measure what you're going to improve. the cost of what the
1: current scenario is
0: the, co- the, cur- the current real dollars yeah. for for the, for the current pain because once you know that and we just gave two or three great examples of how to do that.
1: Yeah. Right. Another one is is risk. okay mm. One of the
0: I'm not good I'm not good with
1: this one. where i like to start this conversation i'll I'll sometimes go into an executive session and they'll say they'll look at me with very steely eyes and then say prove why i should listen to you Mm. and i first thing i even say to them i said okay i'm here to talk to you about service management and all of that and i told, yes okay but the reality is i want to tell you that i'm not going to give you any information or tell you about anything new that you don't already do today Mm. right You already take requirements from the the business, demand from the business. You turn that into design and blueprints. You have to then build those blueprints, test those systems and service offerings you have, move those to production, and then support it when it's live, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the business. Okay, so that's all that service management is, right? So the question is, your current level of maturity relative to any of that practice, is it satisfactory? Is status quo sufficient? Because... On the scale of, I do this engineering to order thing, right? we talked about before, where it's custom every time, to something that on the other side of the dial has this formality, repeatable consistency. If you ask anyone, they'll say that most IT practices, almost 90-plus percent, are all going to be custom every time. Mm. That's okay from from the point of view if you really need them to be, but the reality is there's a lot of risk to that. And not only that, everything's redundant. We're doing this assessment right now, I can't mention with who, They've got decent change practice and release practices, but they're by department. So one group does their thing, another group does their thing, it's by application. But none of these departments live in an isolated world. So they make changes to their own environment based on their own change processes without knowing or communicating those changes to their teammates next door.
0: And we did have a whole show on uh, made-to-order and an artist versus, you know, uh, you know, the craftspeople. And I'll put a link in the show notes for that because that really was a, a really good show on understanding the value of uh, consolidating and, and creating repeatable, audible, uh, automated processes uh, that people can just can consume and not everything was this fine piece of art.
1: Yeah, and it comes back to risk. You can If you can tolerate the risk of a current state, if you're okay, and the analogy we used once, flying in all these different, Planes to your data center, like a change coming into the data center, hmm. and having twelve control towers all talking to themselves and only themselves, but all using the same environment to move changes into. If you're okay with that kind of risk, then so be it. But if you're not, you've got to point the risk out of your current practice.
0: When you have that risk talk, my 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 guts telling me that a lot of people don't even you know. It's kind of like you said, pointing out the obvious. Most people probably have never even thought about. Yeah, the volume of risk they actually are managing—I uh, mean—is
1: that a big deal when you do this? Yeah, I mean you have to point it out because you know what—you have to—you have to make it black and white. You have to define it in order to control it, in order to measure it, in order to improve it, and you have to get it on paper. We have this this relativity conversation. where is kind of like the show—we're bringing all this stuff back, right? It's all relative and subjective until it's written down. Until you've 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 forced people to look at themselves in the mirror or on the scale and said, "Really." Is that really what you want to exist like, mm. truly? Because until you got on that scale, you were in blissful ignorance. You knew something was wrong. Mm. We didn't have to face the facts, Jack.
0: No, I, uh, I, I hear you. Uh, uh, yeah. Because I would think actually taking time to document your current risk state would be so compelling that they would say, "Okay, fine, you're justified." <laughs> Just the documenting of your current risk state, I think, would be enough for most people.
1: Well, let's keep going. There's more. <laughs> uh, oh, no way. All right, keep going. <laughs> all right. Now we talk about how efficient are we? We get things done, but largely inefficient ways. Like, like not even anything. Any process, any remember, all things that we get accomplished is the is the product of a process. There's stuff we want to get done. There's raw inventory coming into it. There's a set of stuff and activities we accomplish to get some outcome but not all the processes we do are the greatest lean you know version of what they could be hmm. i remember when we were working on a financial management process for project approval mechanism so this is you know just i need to get funding and approval for a new corporate and capital initiative yep well in what you know what does Eitel have to say about that it says you should be good at financial management stop so you have to basically take some common horse sense, some lean approaches here to so say let's map out the current process for approving projects project funding. Hmm. There's three, four different authorization loops in the current process. All capital funding projects go through the same funnel, regardless if they're 50 million versus 200000 Yep. Really? Is that the best way to do this? And they all need five funding cycle loops? Maybe. But you have to ask yourself, the, you know, can I not tier this a little bit? Can I can I maybe remove a few of these redundant loops for lower risk or lower cost, put you know empowerment in some people to kind of have signing authority at certain levels and require more due diligence with higher risk and higher cost. But if you have one thing, one process for handling all funding, you probably are not very efficient. Yeah. So you gotta start looking at this from a waste perspective, a leaning out of what's what's really fit for purpose here, not just because the book said so, but because I need this level of due diligence. Too much process is a, as bad from an efficiency perspective as no process from a risk perspective.
0: Again, I ne- I would have never thought of looking at waste as in that view. I thought we'd really done enough work when we were just quanti quantifying productivity, but now you add the risk and waste on top of it. All right, go ahead. You don't have any more, do you?
1: Return on investment. You've got more.
0: Oh. <laughs> you you were just like a one two punch for the for that executive room.
1: So all of these all of these examples, whether it's strategic productivity, risk, uh, efficiency, they all have some element of current state, right? Quantifiable current state. Right. And sometimes it's not just dollars, but it's quantified in the sense that I'm, I can't get there from here. The business wants me to move to the next level, to act faster, to be quicker and more agile for new value generation. And what my current practices are not scalable. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got to get that clear picture on the table first. And now you put that underneath your ROI calculation. That's your current state cost of current state. Now I can start to think about the benefits that I hope to see relative to, you know, the, let's take it from a tool perspective, you know, you're in the tool business. Uh, One of the things I advocate strongly, and again, we just saw this with another client we're working with, is you can create these process silos where you all go off and do your own process, either the same process using different tools, or it's different processes, like incident, problem, and change using different tools. But the reality is, if you've got an integrated process architecture, you should have an integrated application architecture, which because you need an integrated data architecture, so, I worked in organizations, and you probably too have, have Chris, that says, you know, the, if I come down and consolidate onto one tool, even an existing tool, I don't even have to go out and buy a new one. I've probably got enough, but maybe I need a new one. That's a, you know, I'll leave that for off the conversation. If I can consolidate my current tool environment by a third or even down to one, I could fund this process improvement engagement for the next six years because of the cost of maintaining that current tool environment. So, you, you've got to look at the benefit. Of that single tool now compared to the cost of all the tools, and this is your ROI calculation coming into play: current divided by, excuse me, benefit divided by current.
0: Right, and people love to talk about that ROI. Yeah, but they've got to come to the table with their portion of it. Troy, I hate to do this to you. It's that time already. It's that time, and I know you got a tip. So we will. P- We've got one more tip left, and this is exactly we'll pick it up next time. But. Folks, I'm sorry. It's it's the fastest 30 minutes in Service Management Radio. Troy, it's time for your Thunderbolt Tip of the Day. <laughs>
1: okay, Chris. Justifying process improvement or service improvement starts with determining if you can really tolerate the status quo. ROI, that calculation can never be accurately expressed without understanding your current environment cost and risk.
0: Well, Troy, you have convinced me and justified this entire situation. So thank you, and we will catch everyone in two weeks. And uh, best of luck on your travels, and uh, I'll make sure we don't let anything else catch on fire. As always, such a pleasure. Take care, Chris. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.